So what's happening? So what what was interesting? CNN on Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, they were trying to pump up Marco Rubio. They were running stories all day. There were sort of fake stories that Marco Rubio was surging. Uh, we we're here at the exit polls, and everyone coming out is voting for Marco Rubio. And CNN was doing this, so the effect this had on the public, and this is how the media can fix an election. And this, these are the sort of the dirty tricks in the toolbox of the mainstream media. Audio clip three, I'll give you an example. This was the CNN coverage before Super Tuesday. Listen to this. This is one of their hatchet men doing a pro-Rubio uh, story. Audio clip three. Contests for the Republicans today. Twelve for the Democrats. When these votes are all counted, this could really be a very, very different race. Brian Todd is in Ashburn, Virginia, in the Washington, D.C. suburbs. That Commonwealth is where Marco Rubio hopes to run strong today. Brian, what are you hearing from the voters who are turning out? Jake, depending on the candidate who they're supporting, voters are giving us their driving reasons for being here. Hillary Clinton supporters say they're here because she's a steady hand in their view. They value her experience. Donald Trump supporters say they want change. They value maybe the businessman's experience in the White House. But it's Marco Rubio's supporters who give the most interesting reasons. Number one, they like his moderate brand of Republican politics, which scores well in this area of of affluent and well-educated voters. And also, some of them are saying it's purely an anti-Trump vote. They want to stop Trump's momentum here in Virginia, here in Northern Virginia especially, and it's going to be a telling thing, Jake, if they can do it in this district, in in the uh, Dominion Trails district where we are, and also in the surrounding districts in Loudoun, Fairfax, and Arlington counties. Now, as voters, we show voters checking in here for possibly a last surge uh, before the polls close at 7 p.m. What we're hearing from first-time voters is a lot of them are skewing toward Marco Rubio. He does well in that segment. And fully one-third of those who we sampled said that they are first-time primary voters. So that may bode well for Marco Rubio. Is it going to be enough to carry him to a possible upset victory tonight or maybe to score some of those badly needed delegates? That's going to be the telling thing. Right now, Donald Trump has a solid lead, but Marco Rubio does tend to close out well in these states. Jake? All right. Thank you so much. Former Senator Tom Coburn of Oklahoma has endorsed... Okay, did you hear that? This basically CN was doing this all day. Marco Rubio tends to close out well in these types of states. He's never closed out in any of these states. So this is propaganda by mainstream media to try to change the election result somehow. They were hoping that they could get a better result for their candidate. CNN has been pretty much backing Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush, by the way, uh, which we've covered on the show for months. Okay. This this is their candidate. So all these networks have favorites, obviously. Uh, and the establishment which stands behind these networks has reasons for why they pick their favorites. Okay, so if you think that the press is neutral on any election, think again. Because behind every media organization, there is an agenda. And behind every agenda, there are candidates that are thrust forward. Okay, I just showed you proof of that there. Marco Rubio's got creamed. In this election, I mean, he nothing's been hyped more. This was like uh, you remember Zero Coke. You remember how the, how they hyped Zero Zero Coke, huge advertising campaign. They managed to get I don't know a few million people bought it. Then they had to sort of dump it after a while, and uh, it's just all hype. It was all marketing, and that's kind of what Marco Rubio is. He's all marketing. He's all hype. Um, I think they've done pretty good to inflate his brand. Actually, 
Um, if you look at it, it's kind of a really a joke of a brand. He's got a little United States map over the eye on Rubio. It's meant to be like, and it's like hot pink. It's the most bizarre color pattern, uh, choice of colors there. I don't know exactly who they're speaking to there in that demographic. But anyway, um, that's what's going on there. So there's other candidates who are total, totally in denial. Here's John Kasich during the debate. And uh, audio clip four. John Kasich is another Republican candidate who's doing about 7% of, of the vote. He still thinks he's going to win, okay? He's, <laughs> he thinks it's going to just turn around tomorrow. Audio clip five. Listen to this. I beat Hillary Clinton by more than anybody, by 11 points. And the reason it happens... In one poll. Reason, in one poll. You know, the reason is because, as the Democrats tell me all the time, I can get the crossover votes. You see, because throughout this campaign, I've talked about issues. I have never tried to go and get into these kind of scrums that we're seeing here on the stage. And people say everywhere I go, you seem to be the adult on the stage. Okay, so that's John Kasich. So, uh, and then uh, audio clip five. Here's Kasich saying that um, the, he's blaming his lack of votes on the on the media. And this is audio clip five. Listen to this. Everywhere I go, you seem to be the adult on the stage. And the simple fact is, is that uh, you know, I, I, you all wrote me off. You wrote me off before I even got to New Hampshire. Then, when I finished second in New Hampshire, you wrote me off in the South. Then you wrote me off in the uh, in Super Tuesday. I split delegates in Vermont with Donald Trump. I finished second in Massachusetts, and we won delegates in Virginia. But guess what? It's now March Madness, and we're heading up north to the to the place to my turf. Okay. So- Okay, so he's saying the media wrote him off, John Kasich. So actually, John, uh, the media didn't write you off. The voters wrote you off. <laughs> he's, I'm sorry to say, John, um, old Kasich. So he's still, still in there. So he's, he's basically going to try to catch his home state, Ohio, and that's going to help Mitt Romney's uh, plot to fracture the Republican Party. So I think Kasich is in on it, uh, along with some others. And uh, But, you know, there's what can we say about this race that hasn't already been said so far, but it is absolutely unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it in all the years I've looked at presidential elections. I think the first presidential election that I really sort of followed uh, as a child was probably uh, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan uh, in 1980. Uh, that's the first time I remember the Gerald Ford uh, uh, Carter election. I was very young. <laughs> hardly old enough to be conscious of what was going on, but but followed it a little bit, understood the people, the personalities, but not the politics. And then I learned, a, became a little bit more conscious of it in 1980 uh, with uh, Reagan and Carter, and uh, and also in 84 and so forth. I've never seen anything like this in recent years. And so we've definitely entered a new epoch, of uh, like we've said before in the show, reality television and politics is now fused into one unit now, and this is what we have. And so we have a populist surging on the right, Donald Trump. We have a populist surging on the left. His name is Bernie Sanders in America. So both the right and the left, we have populist candidates surging, and that, my friends, is the big story. The big story is the fact that these are protest votes, essentially. Uh, of course, Donald Trump has 
quite a lot of gravitas for a lot of people, but so does Bernie Sanders. People really underestimate this Bernie Sanders effect, feeling the burn. When you listen to Bernie Sanders talk, he has got uh, incredible conviction in his voice. It comes through. It's translated as authentic. People are connecting with that. Young people are connecting with that. Donald Trump is authentic as well. Although he might not be everybody's cup of tea, what you see is what you get. And I, th- I think that's the same with Bernie Sanders as it is with Donald Trump. What you see is what you get. Both of these are authentic uh, individuals. They believe what they're selling here. The rest of them, I don't think so. Um, very fake, plastic, uh, recycled lines that we've heard before. I mean, Ted Cruz is the most unauthentic. This guy comes across as so fake. He's like a cross between a Baptist Southern preacher. Uh, I wouldn't say that. There's some good Baptist Southern preachers, actually. But sort of a tele-evangelist who's like asking you for uh, to, to repent like uh, Jim Baker. He reminds me of a Jim Baker. And I think there's a good career for Ted Cruz later on uh, if he does ever bow out of politics. Um, as a tele-evangelist, I think he would do really well. Uh, Marco Rubio, it's just some college kid who, I don't know, he looks, he reminds me of a page boy uh, running around Washington, D.C. And somehow someone thrust him into a position of power. These are kids, both 44 years old. So, you know, in presidential terms, you, they're, those are kids. They're like in high school in terms of life experience. I mean, how can anyone below 50 uh, claim to have any sort of wisdom or life experience uh, when it comes to do, you know sitting in a chief executive position running a, a country of uh, 360 million um, uh, with a trillion something dollar economy I really don't think so and I think you need to probably I think it's best if if we do <laughs> have any presence that you know they're not sort of in their late 30s <laughs> or early 40s it's just because at that age, you don't have uh, uh, enough, A, you don't have your own power base. Then you become a functionary of your party. And I think this is what Barack Obama is. Barack Obama was thrust into power. He was elevated by his party, by the establishment. And they thought, well, if, if you get someone who's young and raw, and then they mold them into the, the person or the avatar which the establishment wants to have. And I think this is what Obama has been. He's he's basically an avatar of the sort of uh, extreme liberal left um, and trades in divisive politics, identity politics, uh, racial divide politics, class warfare. Um, all these things have been attempted under the Obama presidency. And so what you have with Donald Trump is maybe, maybe Donald Trump might be actually doing America, definitely the Republican Party, a huge favor. A huge service because they're all complaining that Trump is not conservative. He's not a re- true Republican. How many times have I heard this on the news this week? But guess what? Voters don't care whether he's conservative. What is conservative? Who dreamt this concept up? Because all these people who profess to be conservatives, I don't find um, being pro war and uh, wanting to build a giant. Uh, over budget military that's plunging the country into debt and sending billions of dollars a year to countries like Israel and Egypt to to inflate their military industrial complex. What is conservative about that? 
That's my question. So Donald Trump kind of opposes this. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, they represent that. Okay? These are so-called conservatives. Americans don't care about conservatives. Republicans in, on the majority don't care either. And this is showing in the votes. It's showing in the polls. All that matters in politics, I'm afraid to say, this might sound shallow, but the only thing that matters in politics is winning. It's not your principles. And let's not, let's not kid ourselves. That's all that matters. So if, if what it takes to win is to ditch all these uh, puritanical um, platitudes uh, by the uh, evangelical preacher Ted Raphael Edward Cruz, Ted Cruz, uh, or Marco Rubio, all preaching at this pulpit, this, is, this pulpit is an illusion. Donald Trump is basically saying that none of this matters. It, you know, he's basically, the message he's sending out is that politics is artificial. It's an artificial construct. It's an, it's an artificial, intellectually cheap construct. And it's propped up by pomp and circumstance and money. This is what props up this fake illusory, fake dialectical, fake construct, which is the left and the right, conservative, liberal, and the people who trade in this fake construct are the source of all the problems that face society and the world. Anyone who trades in this, I mean, I'll comment on it. I'll talk about liberal, conservative. I'm just commenting on the play-by-play. Okay, but I'm looking at it like it's a sporting match. One side's got a red jersey, the other side's got a blue jersey. But the but the real world happens outside of the stadium. The stadium is where the game is on the on the pitch. That's what politics is. It's fake. It's a game. It's played on a pitch. They've got uniforms. They've got uh, mascots. It's just like sports. So I comment it and I give it that sort of level of respect, like sports. But the real world happens outside. When the game's over, you have to go back to the real world. What they've done in the political establishment, they've managed to suck society into the stadium, into a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week gladiatorial sporting event. Meanwhile, we all have to live real lives out in the real world. But we're meant to sort of adopt this fantasy world of left versus right politics. And Donald Trump has come and basically take, picked up a big brick and just chucked it into the glass, the glass house, which is politics. So love him or hate him, Donald Trump has done a huge favor, at least temporarily. We'll see how, how what benefits are borne out of this. But he, he could definitely save the Republican Party, in my opinion, as they were death walking uh, before this happened. This was a hopeless, hopeless party. At least they have a chance now uh, to reinvigorate and redefine themselves, thanks to Trump. So before you write off Donald Trump, you got to look at the big picture. If you're missing the big picture, you might be missing the real story. And this could extend to uh, gender identity politics, all these other little divisive, compartmentalized little labels that the left and the right have 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 stuck on us, the people. The political establishment has has overlaid over us. If wouldn't it be great if th- those glass houses get smashed too? 
I want to let's is Trump or someone else might come along and say, actually, Trump smashed the, that that whole facade. I want to smash all this identity politics garbage because it's dividing people and turning people against each other in ways that you can't imagine. So this is a pitch battle between, essentially, between the people and the social engineers and the establishment. And the avatar is Donald Trump. (laughs) Is he the new Kalki? Is it the new Kalki avatar? Is it Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't know. But I think there's more to meets the eye. And I think you need to look closely and look beyond the hype, look beyond the protagonists and the antagonists and look at what's really going on. Look at the big picture. We're going to take a short commercial break and we're going to be right back to look at our latest shout poll this week. Wow, this is going to be an interesting poll. We'll be right back after these messages. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Stay right there. We'll be right back. No, I'm no Olivier, but if he fought Sugar Ray, he would say that the thing ain't the ring. It's the play. So give me a stage where this bull here can rage. And though I can fight, I'd much rather hear myself recite. Uh. 